I'm Chris. And I'm Barry. And this is the GameStormers Podcast. So it's been a little while, Chris. It has. Uh, we are a little bit late with our podcast obligations. A little bit, a little bit, but it's okay. We're here now. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. The reason why we have been a little bit late on this one is we covered a little thing called E3. 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 <laughs> and we thought it might be appropriate to wait until E3 has sort of settled before we do this podcast episode. And also we were quite occupied streaming the E3, <laughs> which is the first time we've done that. Look, if you're in Australia and you want to stream E3, it's a bit of a burden. We're waking up at 2.30, 3.30 a.m. You know, the stream started at 4 for oh, the first was- one. Um, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, we were so pleased that so many of our stormers actually jumped on and watched it with us and woke up with us stayed on and we had really good conversations about everything but you know trying to do a podcast amidst all of that amidst trying to sleep um <laughs> wasn't gonna happen it was so, a trying time yeah you know, now, now now that it's sort of calmed down and we've sort of seen what we wanted to see that brings us to our topic today so it's a weird one. I never thought that we'd ha- be having this conversation. Yeah, it just it feels it feels like a very strange subject to broach, but it is it's a possibility. Yeah, and it seems like there's some indicators that we're going to talk about throughout the episode. So, what are we talking about? We are talking about the possible death of the single player game. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Who done it? That was quite dramatic. Was it the battle royale in the free to play with the V bucks? <laughs> with the with the loot box. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, can we make a, a version of Clue, like Clue and like the, the murder victim is always single player game? We absolutely can. <laughs> and then it's just like, which combination of bullshit killed it? <laughs> so what we wanted to talk about today is, as you may have got from that, um, single player games. Yes. We love single player games. Uh, there are many amazing single player games that we can draw from. A very obvious one would be Fallout 4, for example. Yeah, yeah. Or the Fallout series in general. The other one, which I think Barry is a massive fan of, uh, starts with M, ends in Orrowind. I am absolutely a huge fan of the Elder Scrolls series, especially Morrowind. That was my first foray into the single-player, expansive game world of Elder Scrolls. I couldn't believe how how deep the lore was. Mm. got sucked right in. You know the manual? It's like 80 pages long, and I read about <laughs> all the spells and schools of magic over and over. It was ridiculous. It's it's interesting, isn't it? You, don't, you just don't get that anymore. <laughs> and maybe some of that's for the best. Uh, like Baldur's Gate, for example, oh, was boy. an amazing game, but that came with a literal compendium um, of every <laughs> single spell, and I think that probably weighed in at about 200 pages. It was pretty ridiculous. Insane. Those games were amazing. Some of them were inevitably going to pass on as gaming reaches a larger appeal Hmm. and the need for complexity is diminishing. But the thing is, they were replaced by something really cool, which was this immersive storytelling sort of like movie-like experience where you had these divergent choices and you could basically... It's kind of like you were playing a movie, but you could actually influence the movie. Yeah, you have an impact and you can see that impact immediately. And and I I think that's great. Like, the, the games became maybe slightly simpler... But the experience became amplified. Mm. I think that was a really good evolution. And I I welcomed that. That was great. Now I'm worried that we're at another evolution. Mm. And unfortunately, this might be a mass extinction event. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about it. 
when we were coming into E3, we were a little worried that a few things were going to happen. And some did and some didn't. And some surprises happened as well, which gave us a bit of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about the negatives first. Because <laughs> hey. uh, it's always good to start with the negatives. <laughs> so we were a little bit worried that some of our favorite franchises, single player franchises, were starting to disappear. Yeah. So Elder Scrolls Online was a great example. So you just talked about how much you love those Elder Scrolls games. Mm. Um, with Elder Scrolls Online being so successful and with them releasing the Morrowind and Somerset expansions and putting so much effort in there and there was no mention of anything else, mm-hmm. that's that was risky, yeah? Like we were starting to feel like maybe we're not going to get another Elder Scrolls single player game. Maybe all of the money is going into the cash cow, which is... The multiplayer experience exactly right subscription based online uh and luckily at the very little bit at the end <laughs> of bethesda's presentation they dropped the elder scrolls bomb and that kind of saved it everyone breathed out in a breath of relief yeah but let's talk about the obvious one that everybody has been talking about mm. which is fallout 76 of course so when we watched this in the order of events that it happened, obviously, you know, we, we got to Fallout 76 pretty early into the piece and uh, they told us it was a multiplayer game and we'd already heard rumors and someone had already leaked that was the case. And, you know, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And the people that were watching with us, our Stormers that were watching, we all were all, I think, simultaneously started writing. I'm very concerned about this. I <laughs> yeah. don't know how to feel. What's going on? Because that game is such an amazing storytelling experience. Yeah. Um, you know it lends itself to being single player there's just so much you can do by yourself going around doing side quests like not paying attention to what you're meant to be doing and just learning like this deep ridiculous lore um whilst having this like really immersive like ongoing story yeah and you just can't have that with more than one player i think you you were mentioning actually like even in a co-op experience wouldn't work how, how, how does that sort of play out well he, here's the thing right that one of the protagonists in one of the games is like it's the lone survivor yeah it's not the lone survivor and his mate yeah like, like that's yeah. not <laughs> <laughs> you just made me think uh the lone survivor and like you know sick kills 69 xx yeah, exactly and right. like you know like jonathan stabs and like all that sort of shit like you know it's just it's gonna be so different 100 percent because these these single player games if, if, if it's a single player game, it's completely geared towards you being the protagonist. Just yeah. you. That's it. Yeah. It's all on your shoulders. Whereas even co-op, it can really detract from that feeling of individuality because it's like you and someone else share all this responsibility. They don't, co- characters don't single you out. They'll speak to both of you in, a gene- in like a general term. That's a good point. I think you were mentioning when we were talking about the prep for this episode that when you have two players, like that immersiveness- it can still be there, hmm. but the like progression has to be a little bit more linear. Like you don't have that same like branching storyline where like one person can just go off and do what the hell whatever the hell they want and like really change the outcome of the entire game. Like uh, a great example is a game that we were playing recently on the stream, um, which was super fun, uh, called A Way Out. Oh yeah, you know, made from the ground up to be a co-op game, and I think successfully did what it was meant to do. It didn't take itself too seriously, but you know they. They had to rely on the characters being rich, mm. uh, which uh, it was something you were mentioning. And it really struck with me. Like, that made a lot of sense. You had the characters being really rich. They had their backstories. They were so separate. They're really established. But 
if they weren't that, like if they were two blank canvases, would that have worked? Not at all. Like you said, that whole story hinges on them both having really rich and deep storylines attached to them both. And you play as one of those two characters. Whereas if it was just yeah, a generic mm. two heroes, mm. there would be no, there'd be nothing to it. Yeah. Which means you lose character creation. So mm-hmm. you lose class, you lose like even 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 gender because really it has to be sort locked of geared in. like you know it's locked in at the start. Yeah. Um. So y- you lose a lot, and you know there was one part of the game that we did like where it would get to these sort of crossroads and you had two decisions to make. It was either you go with the first guy's plan or the other guy's plan. You know it was cool that they did that because at least it gave us a semblance of choice. Yeah. And, you know, things would be different based on the decisions that you made and you had to make a reach a consensus. That was cool. But whilst it was a really fun game and fun to play with you, I clearly couldn't sit down and play that by myself. And also, even if I did, you're just missing something there. You're missing, like, the soul of that story. Yeah. Um, you know, we're worried about these things. But let's take it a step further. Then you go to Fallout 76. Yes. And it's a multiplayer game. It's a multiplayer game. It is. Like, that's, that is what it is. So, we just mentioned the ridiculous thing of, like, meeting up with all these, like, bullshit named people. <laughs> and, like, that is now your story. Yeah. That's the story. Like, and I'm sure that there'll be little missions and instances and all the other things that I hate to even, like, shudder to think about. But it cannot be as deep. And, like, how are you going to have story progression? How are you going to have interpersonal relationships with NPCs and characters like that that can't happen yeah you can't have can you even have progression in story at all Uh, or does that have to rely on world progression where an event happens that affects the entire wasteland and everybody plays it and then an expansion comes out and then everybody's story progresses yeah which is how World of Warcraft has handled it uh, and many MMORPGs so that for me I'm like that's that's not what I sign up for when I think about the Fallout universe. That's not Fallout. It's that's not right. You know, look, little asterisks. We're gonna we're gonna play. It. Of course, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely gonna play. That's it. inevitable. <laughs> you know, we're hoping to find some Fallout in there, even if we have to bloody make the story ourselves. <laughs> um, you know, so that, that that kind of leads us to, I guess, like the second indicator, which is multiplayer is successful. Yes. Uh, Fortnite may have heard of it. Battle Royale style game. What's Battle Royale? You might not be wondering because you're probably already playing it while we're talking. (laughs) Just in case you'll be living under a rock. So a Battle Royale game is basically a massive number of players. Um, It's based on the movie Battle Royale. Um, So Fortnite's based on PUBG, which is based on something else. They all copied each other. And basically, you know, it can be 100 players versus each other in a deathmatch, essentially. And last person standing wins. Yeah, that's it. Very, very successful because there's that social element of a hundred people playing together. Mm-hmm. They're all there. Also, I think one thing that I liked about it because I like I don't play either of them. I don't really like them that much, but they are kind of fun to watch. The funny part is it does lend to creating a bit of a story around what's happening, <laughs> but it's not a story game. Yeah, not at all. Here's my hypothesis about what's happening here. We've got a younger generation coming in and playing games for the first time. Fortnite, I think, is the ri- the big risk here. Um, it is a free-to-play game. You can play it on Nintendo Switch. You can play it on PS4, Xbox, PC, mobile. So you play it everywhere. All your friends are there. Cross-play is supported across the board, except PS4 doesn't like playing with some of the other guys. Yeah. But it's a free game. So you're going to jump on. Your friends are already there. There's no cash injection needed. You can just play. That's dangerous. 
and then they're still making lots and lots of money. Can I tell you? Uh, this is this will uh, surprise you actually. Oh, how much money? I'm gonna let you guess. How much money do you think Fortnite made in its first? I think it was three months on just iOS. I believe I've heard this figure, and I think it's two million. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, uh, two million is a great guess. It was actually one hundred million dollars. Oh, it's close. Holy shit. Yeah. That's... Oh, man. And therein lies the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Because if I was a developer of a AAA title and I saw that success, I'd be like, I'm going to give me a slice of that pie. (laughs) I'm going to get me some of that. I'm going to get me some of that. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Yeah, I'll have that with a side of loot boxes. That sounds great. (laughs) So... That's what I'm a little worried about because, it, look, it makes business sense to follow a successful archetype. Yeah. Like, if you take this away from video games for a second, you just go, okay, there's a successful business. I can make a product similar to that. I have the skills. Why would I not? Exactly. You know, if I can take a slice of that pie, it makes sense. And then you put it back into gaming and you're like, this is really bad for gamers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is really bad because companies and like, look, jumping back into E3 and, you know, a lot of this hinges around the E3 conversation and we'll talk about E3 in general later in the piece yeah. as well. But, um, you know, Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Battle Royale mode. Ooh, let's get me some of that. Look, <laughs> Battlefield is a really specific play style. It's, yeah. it's actually weirdly, it's a bit, a bit more of a serious, like it's still a bit of an arcade shooter, but... It's a bit more of a serious one. Like, there's actually bullet drop. Like, the setting's a lot more serious. And the way that, like, the, the conquest modes and, like, all the stuff they have, like, it's... I like it because it's more... It's unique. It feels separate from Call of Duty, for example. It feels separate from a lot of the other shooters. Like, yeah. it feels a little more intense in a cool way. And for them to add Battle Royale is, like... Detracts from that, It just right? doesn't fit with the ethos of what you're, like, selling us. Like, it's... the like that wouldn't have happened during the world. Like I don't know, it doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. Actually, like you know, Battlefield One is a real sort of like gritty. Uh, it's it's a hard take on on World War One. Yeah, right? and, look, and look, it's not it's not ultra realistic. No, not like there's means. there's there's characters represented that wouldn't have been represented back then due to the world being a much worse place. Um, and it's great that the games embrace it and represent those those. Uh, genders and races properly at the way they should be in 2018 like that's good and people complain about that like dickheads but that's all we're here to talk about <laughs> that should be happening and they should change the games to basically allow those things to happen it's not it's not a one-to-one history lesson yeah it's not what it's about but battle royale just feels like an obvious tack on that just it doesn't match the rest of the play style of the game yeah like you've got these conquest mergers make sense it's battling it out for domination in you know like a warfare scenario with warfare mechanics and warfare like more physics and that sort yeah. of stuff and then you've got like oh 100 people trying to kill each other because <laughs> it's popular elsewhere yeah let's um, tack that on let's jump it in our game and so yeah. you know i hope that this mode doesn't work for them because i think we really need a company to try and jump into royale and for it not to work it needs to show that even a heavy hitter it's not just a po- they need they don't need that positive reinforcement that's right so yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. That <laughs> needs to be rewarded for really doing something that is really obvious, kind of tacky, and it just feels ill-fitting. It just kind of detracts from what gamers, I think, actually want. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, gamers will pick up things that are free because they're free, and then they'll Fair be enough. sort of duped into thinking that's that's what they wanted all along. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Uh, okay, so 
what's the risk? Who cares if Fortnite's good? Like, why should we be worried about that? How does that affect what we're talking about today, which is single-player games? I think there's a pretty obvious one there. I, I think the connection does make sense. Like, if I am a new generation player, I can choose any platform to play on. I can pick a big game that all my friends are on, and it's free. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that I'm probably going to start playing there. Not everyone, but many people will start playing there. And then when I look at another game, which is $100, and it's a single-player story experience, there's a there's a chance that I can be sort of negged out of thinking of buying that. Oh, cool. Maybe, you know, maybe I won't do that. I've already got this, and it was free. Yeah. You know? Look how good this game is. You know, why do I need to pay for that one? Mm. You know, which and this is what happened with mobile. Like, people don't want to pay for games on mobile because they can get very good games for free. Yeah. And then they don't realize that they will soon be paying for them, but that's we covered that last episode. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and this model's working. So, it does worry me a little bit that, you know, if I was a AAA developer and I had to choose between making a story experience where I needed people to pay for it at the start or making some sort of battle royale or multiplayer experience where I could get people to uh, still pay at the start or introduce it for free and then monetize it later. Kind of, I, I understand why you'd be inclined to go the other way. Yeah, like again, it, touching on your business model, if someone said you can make an upfront profit of 100% or over the lifespan of a few months to a year, make two to three times that amount. You're like, well, it'd be silly not to do that. Yeah, I can make I can make 2,000% of my investment. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, I will do that very yeah. profitable thing. Please, thank you. And actually, outside of the games industry, that is like a get-rich-quick scheme. Like, yeah. And you'd be like, there's no way that that's possible. But it is possible, and they it aren't is. doing it. Yeah. You know, look, there's- Let's talk about some of the negative indicators in terms of some games that were announced. So, mm. Fallout 76. Yes. Look, we're still going to play it. Let's be honest. It's going to be- uh, an interesting experience but what about halo infinite that scares me so much that and they said infinite. nothing about it no they, they said all. halo infinite it's just the naming convention mm-hmm. halo infinite Ooh. okay so that's interesting just like fallout 76 i knew it was an online game before the leaks even came up because of the numbering fallout 76 is so far away from any first party numbering system which means that it's a game like in my mind i was like okay fallout 76 that number indicates that it can be a perpetually updating game. Mm-hmm. They just change events, change the storyline on mass, and do it that way. Yeah, you know, Halo Infinite. This is a game that goes on forever. Infinite replayability because it's online. Because this goes forever, yeah. you know. And then the different instances and DLCs and expansions. It changes the story, and everybody progresses together. And it's just Destiny Two and World of Warcraft and every single other game. Yeah, you know, Anthem, for example, was going to do a similar thing. But look. We knew what that was going in, and it's a it's a brand new IP doing that straight out of the bat. Like, I'm actually fine with that one because really, it's not taking a franchise that we know and love and turning it into this thing yeah. to make money. It's this is a new thing. This is the way this game like, is. This is the way this game was always meant to be. Yeah. So you know, you're not losing anything. You're gaining a new game mm-hmm. if you want to play it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like that, sure. Okay. I, I can't be upset about that. But yeah, Halo Infinite was worrying. Um, Fallout 76. There was another one as well. Continue to purchase. Yeah. This is the one platform. One of us. <laughs> I just realized why multiplayer games are also going to be a really big driving point for sales. Because if you have a group of five friends, mm. two of them buy this multiplayer game. Yeah. And they say, hey, buy this multiplayer game. We can play together. You'd be like, okay. Yeah. But if they, two of them bought a single player game, they're like, play, like, play this. They're like, I have no draw to it. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no, there's nothing tethering me to it. There's no pressure for me to play it. I'll play it in my own time. Yeah, I think, like, to, to counter your point slightly, but I, I do agree with you. I think, like, you know, if the single-player game is strong enough, then you could convince your friends to give it a shot mm. because you, you're sort of giving them an experience. But you're right. That's harder. And it actually means the bar needs to be way higher on that game. Ooh. Like, uh, just by us streaming Detroit Become Human, some of our stormers have actually gone out and bought that game because it's such... A compelling title yeah um you know that that really bucks the trend on recent times in terms of like really positive single player narrative experiences um all right so actually let's use that as a <laughs> jumping pad uh to jump into some positives yes because there was some positives let's start with bethesda yeah so fallout 76 scared the bejesus out of us <laughs> uh but what was that positive right at the end Oh, like right, like right at the very like right last the, right ten last seconds of the there. yeah, yeah. I believe a little game called Elder Scrolls Six. Okay, that is a glimmer of hope. In and how this. did you feel? Uh, my heart exploded. Yeah, and my eyes bled. Yeah, it was just it was a beautiful time. But we all know that it's going to be five or six years away, probably. Well, the fact that they announced that space game Before. was being made first, yeah. and then Elder Scrolls. Look, I was just really relieved that they announced it at all yeah the, you know the whole theory that barry and i had going in was that elder scrolls online was it for the elder scrolls universe more do you need more you've got this you've got this consistent there's, income yeah there's dlcs there's new expansion packs another revenue stream there they're putting a lot of effort into it of course uh, it's great but mm. it's not a game that i wanted to play but I wanted to play Skyrim, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So I have this property, this intellectual property that I want to play, and I want to play more of that, but I don't want to play it in the context of an MMORPG. Like, that's not what I signed on for. Mm. And so I was so worried because, like, that's not why I was there. Yeah. And now that they've announced this, I feel better. <laughs> for sure. Because you were afraid it's going to go this, down the same route as, say, World of Warcraft that's and the right. Warcraft series because- well, Classic, classic. Like, where's Warcraft 4? What's Warcraft 4? I know, I know WoW. Yeah. But I don't know if any Warcraft 4. I think there'd be many people now, like current generations, that would know, so sounding older, <laughs> back in my day, there'd be many people now that know World of Warcraft as World of Warcraft. Yeah. And that's it. And they don't even know that there was a Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> um, you know, like that. That's that's an example of when it becomes so lucrative for a company to just continue the world of warcraft for example um that there's no reason to make a single player story exactly that's a potential risk yeah you know creating a whole new game and sink a whole lot of money into that when you know that world of warcraft is a sure thing you make a new expansion you'll get old players back you get more subscription money and you'll just be laughing and so we were worried that that was creating a model that would be followed by other companies. Mm. Um, and look, and I'm sure that that's happened in the past and like it did happen with World of Warcraft. You know, we would both love to play Warcraft 4. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that would be such a cool experience. But I think that we're probably not going to get that. No, most likely not. It just doesn't seem like that's going to happen now. But Elder Scrolls sort of bucked that. And that is a good thing. That is a good, good thing. And I'm hoping that that means that Fallout 76 is their multiplayer and that they still do a Fallout 5. You know, they didn't say that. Yeah. So I was a little worried that Todd was quite defensive when he was talking about, you know, there's still single player in Fallout 76, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's better played with friends. And mm. I'm like, you know, based on the examples that Barry and I were talking about just before, I just can't see 
if I jump onto Fallout 76 and, you know, I'm there, you know, John 69, 69, 60 girl is there, you know, Steve McDickface is there, and we, like, jump in to try and play a game. Like, it's not the same thing. No, not at all. Like, where, like, if where are all the protagonists and, like, there's, like, people with stupid names and they're yelling over voice chat and you, and really you just, it's kind of just like a, it's Rust. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's Rust with Rust the Fallout in the Fallout skin. Yeah, exactly. And look, I'm sure that they've done something else to alleviate that. And I'm sure that there's something there, but I just can't feel that it's possible that it's going to have the same sort of depth that a Fallout 4 has. It just, it can't. Yeah, it's a terrifying thought of having all that story and all all those experiences just gone and replaced with player interactions. That's right. But we're talking about positives. We are, that's right. We keep going back to Fallout 76. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just very scary for us. We're very cold us. Um, so, okay. Massive, massive standout for me has to be um, The Last of Us Part 2. Yes, both visually looks phenomenal and the the narrative looks just insane like that that scene where like that opening scene which was like full of like bright calm light the the kissing scene and like all of this like there was like happiness and like fragility uh and then it just cuts to like this bloody scavenger like fight for survival sort of thing it was really jarring in in like a in a such a like amazing way yeah and like i was on the edge of my seat i got goosebumps i was so nervous for the character (laughs) there's no way she could survive this is ridiculous (laughs) like i know that she's strong but like holy crap it just felt like every moment was like a linchpin that anything could happen yeah Um, and like that that was in game and it just seemed so fluent the NPCs, the way they were talking and all that sort of stuff. And I know there, was, there would have been some scripting there, but it just, it felt like you did have control. Mm. And um, yeah, like the big moment, and I've said this to you like a thousand times now, <laughs> like when she reaches to that, that body and like pulls the arrow out yeah. and like she has to actually pull the arrow out. I don't know. There was just something about that, like her grabbing the arrow and like ripping it out. Like that was her just collecting ammo. But it was like, it looked like a scripted movie event. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like a in-game action. Um, and Crazy. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like my heart was pounding. <laughs> just going like, holy crap. So we're definitely going to play that on the stream. Oh, you know. Um, with, I need Barry by my side because yeah. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> shitting my pants. But um, you know, like that. Th- how positive is that? Like, yeah. That's exactly what we want. And like the polish on that is just ludicrous. <laughs> so like that's such like a, it's like a beacon of light. Um, you know, that we have this single player game. It's so strong. It comes from a like previously successful original game, which is just amazing. I know you haven't played it yet, no, but yeah. Barry might be getting a PS4. <gasps> maybe, maybe. Perhaps. I can't believe he doesn't already have one. <laughs> um, and there's so much games for you to play. And we're going to come back and talk about Microsoft and PlayStation and stuff like that near the end. When we talk about E3 in general. But, yeah. You know, that that's great. That's so good. And it shows that there's still a hunger for it. You know, people are psyched about this game. Yeah. And like Sony showed that as the first title um, on their conference. And um, that, that's a really good sign um, that they're pretty serious about this sort of stuff. Mm. So what else? What other what other single player experiences were announced at E3 that would sort of make you feel a bit better? Uh, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about um, Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a- Yes, yeah. not to be confused with Death Standing, it's Death Stranding. That's right. And it's like, oh, my boat's now moored on the, on the island. I am Death Stranding. <laughs> anyway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Holy shit. 
So that is just, it, it, it's really, it's an interesting one because it's so out there. It's so like, it's so not even philosophical. It's just uh, metaphorical and yeah, yeah. it's so out there and strange. Yeah. But again, people are firming in the mouth for it. I think, um, I think that's, yeah, some of the, the terms you used to describe it are quite apt. I think, uh, yeah, it's very much, there's a deeper meaning behind it. But it might be meaning that only Hideo will actually understand. (laughs) Mr. Kojima has a very special brain. Yeah. It was nice, though, to have a first-party game do something so outrageous um, and single-player. And, you know, like the the talent they brought in. um, Yeah. The the character from Walking Dead, what's his name? Uh, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Um, Really, really a great actor, actually. Like, he seems to be the protagonist in this. Yeah. And you said there was someone else- uh, I think Mads Mikkelsen or something like that. um, Which is, like- Like, great A actors. Some big names. Yeah. It sort of adds, like, this intrinsic value to it straight away. Yeah. um, Where you're like, oh, I know that person, and I sort of know how they act characters, and I can sort of- you know, projects what this might be like, mm. um, which is really interesting. And like the story looks bonkers um, <laughs> and the game looks kind of terrifying actually, but in like a really interesting way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it was really, really cool to see all of that happen. <laughs> like this is a game that shouldn't exist in 2018. Yeah. At, at this level of this, at this budget. Like, um, is, uh, sure. An indie game or something like that, just to try something new. No, why not? But yeah. Like, this is a, like, highly sought-after game that a lot of people are hanging to, to see come out. I think that is another beacon of light for us. Like, if, that, if that's happening, that means that that can happen again. And that means that maybe there's some hope. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's some hope, guys. <laughs> Everything's going to well, be okay. Hanging on. That's right. If Death Stranding is to exist, other games should as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? What else did we see? There was one, uh, it's abbreviated as SOS, uh, Sea of Solace. Oh, yes. Yeah, that looks really interesting. It's sort of like someone's battle with mental health, pretty much, but portrayed as a game of a- That's right. And that, that was an indie title, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Microsoft. Microsoft, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. And look, let's take an opportunity, actually, to talk about indie games. Oh, yeah. So, I think um, indie games are our- you know they can do something that triple a games can't do which is not make a game just for like global domination and global profit and things like that yeah you know they can make a game to be a game and to like try a mechanic or storytelling method or talk about like a difficult subject like that game does yeah um you know like that really struck a chord with me uh, that particular game I, i think um that is really cool like that's so important and that may end up being the last bastion of where our single player games end up living. Um, yeah. do, what do you reckon about that? I think that you're, you're, you're correct. They are this new lifeblood for gaming in general and they don't have that. They don't have the shareholders or the mm. big business mm. behind them pulling the strings and directing the game. They can do whatever they like. And like worst case scenario, if AAA titles, uh, AAA single player games do drop off, 
you know that we've always got indie games, who, uh, indie game developers who know the importance of telling a good and important story. So, mm-hmm. like, they will always be around in some capacity. We just hope that it never gets to that point where we have to, like, seek it out in small pockets. <laughs> so, people, like, congregating, like, in corners of, like, yeah, like, like warehouses. Hey, man, you got those single player yeah. games? <laughs> I'm imagining, like, a rebellion sort of, like, <laughs> like well, these games are illegal, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to get that bad, but. You know, like, that, it, it seems more and more like uh, AAA title uh, companies are going to... They're just going to move to these, like, juggernaut profitability, like, systems. Like, these... It's like a well-oiled machine. Mm. And you, indies are immune to that um, at the moment, which is fantastic. Like, they can just do the thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we love indies at the GameStorm. So, it's really kind of what we were founded on was, like, supporting indie developers. So what we want to say is like if you if there's an indie game out there that you're playing and it is a great single player experience tell your friends like tell your friend they don't have the reach that these massive companies do they can't throw advertising in everyone's faces yeah so you need to be the the, the banner and, and billboard for that game um, and I, I really believe that so when we play a good game we, we shout it from the rooftops and tell people about it because it's so important yeah so I, I think that's something that we can do to support indie developers um, but the good thing is they're successful because they're making cool stuff yeah, and they're unencumbered. And we were talking about this before the podcast. It's so cool when you see a third-party title pick up some of the elements and things learnt by the success of an indie game. Mm. And you go, cool, like not only are the indie games like making success for themselves, um, but they can positively influence what a AAA developer does as well uh, in some circumstances, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Yeah. So I think, look, on balance, um, going into E3, I was super nervous. Uh, I think you were as well. Oh, yeah. You know, our single player goodness we, we thought was going to go away. We got the mysterious Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> Um, we've got Death Stranding, which is also mysterious. <laughs> um, we got, uh, there was that, that, that samurai game, um, which oh, looks yeah. fantastic. Uh, the name escapes me at the moment. It's done by From Software, so the people who did, um, Dark Souls and all that sort of stuff. So you know, it's yes, going to be. Yes, that's right. Yes. The, yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. That was a single player experience from, from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was really good to see as well. And a lot of these were taking center stage. You know, Last of Us Part Two was, was the first thing. Um, that's great. And also uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, my Lord. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Stop talking that nonsense. <laughs> Need it in me, please. That, um, that look. Like, look, we didn't get much. But holy shit, what it we did get. It phenomenal. It just, it sets your mind ablaze with the, like, thinking about what the game's going to be about and how, uh, how everything is portrayed. It's just, it's fantastic. Like Chris, you and I talked about it for like twenty minutes or something, <laughs> yeah, just dissecting this like couple of minute long trailer. Yeah, yeah. And all of the the themes and the 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 settings and everything they introduced into these little like two second clips. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I I cannot wait. Yeah, I think like the 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 depth of world building that had already happened in that very small trailer was quite interesting. So yeah, I'm very very look. I I hope that it turns out to be what we think it will turn out to be. Mm. But if The Witcher is anything to go off, <laughs> uh, which is a phenomenal game, and again, a single-player story experience, yeah. um, you know, these these are really, really important games. And I'm so glad that there were so many of them, that they all kind of came out of the woodworks, which was fantastic. So I think to close out our main discussion before we get on to talking about just sort of some E3 stuff in general, I think, you know, Barry and I came out of this feeling okay feeling pretty good 
Yeah. You know, we walk, we we walked into it going I think single player is dead. I think it's kind of the end. And there's a lot of, you know, all those unlimited games and those games that are going to be perpetual. Ooh. I am worried about that. Yeah. And you can see that it's a trend. You can see that it's a direction. And I think that that's not going to go away. And I think it's going to keep amplifying. But the fact that these single-player games keep springing up, um, that can only be a good thing. And I'm hoping that next year that we get more new IPs doing more single-player stuff. It, like, really, we just need to see what happens next year now. Because mm. I think this year was one of those, like, keystone. It was lucky that there was lots of single-player games announced, but they easily could not have been as well. Exactly right. So, if we, if this continues next year, then I'm going to be pretty happy. Um, but it is definitely on a tipping point. And uh, if we if next year it's just, like, all more Royale games, then, yeah, we're stuffed. <laughs> yeah, let's, that is a, that's the darkest timeline. We don't like to that's think right, about that's that. That's right. That's the darkest timeline. <laughs> In, uh, at the moment, it looks like uh, single-player games' future is burning quite brightly. And uh, we just need we just need companies to know that they are worth it. So that that stories need to be told, and people will always play them if they're worth it. Yeah, I think there's a hunger for those sorts of games. So I, yeah, I, I completely agree and echo what you're saying there. All right, so let us move on and talk about E3 in general. Mm. Just a few things we wanted to talk so they didn't really fit into our main topic because it's E3. There's lots to talk about. <laughs> so much. So I kind of wanted to talk about the console wars. Now this is yeah. not this is not a what does people think and which one's better? I'm going to say right now that my opinion is that the Xbox One X is the most powerful console and it's also the most undesirable console, um, <laughs> which puts it in a weird position where people are like, oh, fuck you, you said that. Oh, wait, what? Now I'm confused. What? what? Okay, uh-huh, you agree what? with me? What? What's happening? Yeah. So, you know, if I was to choose a new console today, it'd have to be the PS4. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think it'll have to be the PS4. Um, so I think for me, the reason would be it's the community. There's already a large base there. And also, you've got this plethora of first-party exclusive games. Um, a lot of stuff made like Sony has pulled it in or by companies that obviously have exclusive deals with Sony. So, you know, you've got Quantic Dream with all of the games that they do. All the amazing games like Heavy Rain, Indigo Prophecy... Beyond Two Souls, and of course, most recently, Detroit Become Human, Ooh, which yeah. we are loving. Um, <laughs> you've got The Last of Us. You've got um, Uncharted. Super strong titles. You've yeah. got a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. You were mentioning a few as well. Yeah, like a whole back catalog stuff. Like, for example, I'm thinking about getting a PS4. Do it. Because yeah, Do it. I, knew, I need a new console. Succumb. My, my like, latest console is the Wii U. Oh, boy. Uh, I know. Um, yeah, because I was weighing up between you know, Xbox One or PS4. But PS4, there are so many games in the back catalog that I haven't played. Like, there's Eco, and then there's the remake of um, Shadow of the Colossus. Then there's The Last Guardian. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That I need to play. I need to play that. I introduced that one time on uh, <laughs> on, one of our, on one of our videos back in the day, and I had a lot of trouble introducing <laughs> That's it. That's right. Next on the menu oh, is The that Last is, Guardian. That is uh, <laughs> an amazing outtake video. Um, yeah. So, look, that's that's my reasoning. Yeah. So, I think if you were going to buy two consoles these days, you'd probably buy a PS4 and a Switch. Most definitely. Because they're just very compatible. Yeah. Um, they have like, two different play styles, two different game styles. They've got their own 
collections of exclusives that don't cross over too much. Mm. Um, and the Xbox kind of sits outside of it all in like, uh, it's not necessary. They've got a lot of overlap. The PS4 and the Xbox yeah. One have a lot of overlap. Yeah. And not too much sets the Xbox One apart. Yeah, which, oh, yeah. Is, which is unfortunate. And like, I need to come at this like, because people are probably thinking I'm hating on the Xbox. I had an Xbox 360. I never even owned a PS3. Mm. And uh, my intent, uh, and actually what I did do was went and bought the Xbox One when it came out because my assumption was that's the one I wanted. Then I found out that all my friends bought a PS4 <laughs> and I was sitting on this ecosystem where nobody was present. And uh, I ended up buying a... Oh, look, I'm in a lucky situation where I got a PS4 Pro, I've got an Xbox One S, I've got a Nintendo Switch, I've got a gaming PC that we put together, and I've got a gaming laptop as well. Like, I'm very lucky that I, I have access to all those things. Not everyone can do that. Hmm. Um, and so they have to choose. And I would encourage people to really think about, you know, what value are you getting? And take away all of the games that are cross-platform and just look at what actual value are you getting. And I think the PS4 stands up. And like I said, Xbox One X, hands down the most powerful console. Mm, on paper. On paper. Is, like, yeah. It need, like, it's like having a Ferrari and it being, living in an area where there's only 20 kilometer an hour zones. Like, it doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> like, what are you- Over kill for no reason. Well, yeah, why do you have this? You can't even use it. Yeah. Um, but it's so good. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's the best. It's like, cool, but you need games for it. You need games that are designed specifically to take advantage of the power. Otherwise, mm. it's kind of pointless. So, that I wanted to lay that groundwork because that was my opinion walking in. And I was really, really concerned for Microsoft because it seemed like they had to do a lot to win back, you know, trust and investment in the platform. Because mm. it's not cheap to buy a console. And so... I think they did pretty well, actually. I was fairly impressed with Microsoft's presentation. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they bought five studios, which is not a small amount. No, so, five game studios, including Compulsion Games, who make uh, We Happy Few, which, by the way, their new trailer is looking ridiculous. Oh, it's come along in leaps and bounds. Like, that's the, the, the layout that they give you in that trailer was, like, heart-wrenching. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was much more, uh, like, that game was already intense. Like, that game was already full on, but, like, that it seems to be self-aware. Yeah. Which the first trailer wasn't. Like, there were people within the universe that are aware of what's happening, and it was just- it was really cool. Like, that's such a unique game. And, like, it was a really good buy for Microsoft to get a company like that because you can only imagine what other games they're going to be able to pull out. Oh, yeah. So, look, here's my theory. Microsoft has sort of semi-announced, leaked uh, that uh, their next major console is going to be 2020. Mm. I think, if we're being honest, the Xbox One platform, it lost. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it really didn't sort of stack up. Like I say, towards the PS4, it was definitely the weaker console. And it was plagued with a whole lot of stuff at the start of its oh, lifespan, yeah. too. Non-optional connect. <laughs> um, the whole digital games debacle where you put the disc in and it DRM'd it to the system. And then they, like, 180'd on that straight away. <laughs> um, yeah, like, there was a lot of stuff at the start that just it wasn't, it didn't bode well. Hmm. It just seemed like, hey, we're going to do this stuff. Oh, but well, okay, no, we're not going to do it. Okay, Oops, never mind. Yep. Um, and so, you just left with this, like, weird system that didn't know what it wanted it to be. And then customers got confused and then the games weren't there and that... That was it. That was the, the nail in the coffin. Mm. And so I think I, I've got a gift card loaded from when I traded in it, a lot, a lot of stuff uh, that is ready to buy an Xbox One X. I got the cash. It's there. Yeah. 
Uh, I will not be. And, my, and I, I was going through the E3. Like my my goal was to work out at the end of it whether I'll get an Xbox One X. Yeah. I was almost shifted until I heard that their next major console is probably 2020. I can wait until then. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, think about it. So, you got these five new studios. And it's going to take them a while to churn out some new games, which mm. we assume are going to be Xbox exclusive. <laughs> If I was Microsoft, I would be holding those titles to make them launch titles on whatever the new Xbox is. It sort of makes sense, yeah? Yeah. Reset everything. It's a new console. Forget about all the stuff that happened before. We are, we're not going to make those mistakes again yeah. um, and start something new. And I'd be interested in that platform mm. um, and what that brings. And, you know, hopefully they can bring all these new IPs and new titles and new exclusives. It's so critical um, because if they don't, I think they're dead in the water. Which is a shame. Like, it's very, very important to have two consoles of equal power going up against each other because it creates these exclusives. It creates these games like The Last of Us mm. that we might not have gotten hadn't the challenge been so big. So, I think I think it's really important. And the Nintendo Switch, like, they're lucky because they're just so different. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, you want to get a PS4, but I'm sure you want to get a Switch as well. Of course. And that's yeah. always going to be on my mind too. Yeah, because it's just cool. It's a great supplementary uh, console. Yeah. It's a very rarely a main console. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got the Switch and that's it. Yeah. You'll have a main console plus that as a side piece. And I think I think they leaned into that and it worked really well for them. Like, like the Legend of Zelda on the Switch is a massive game. Like, And it is a, you'd say, your main console sort of game. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And as a launch title, phenomenal. Mm. There are so many games on there that lend themselves to uh, sort of semi-casual like, they're still very difficult, which is important, but they can be picked up and put down. Yeah. You know, like, I'm playing Mario Tennis Aces, which is cool. Like, it's a cool game. It's very Nintendo. Yeah. And I, I played, um, you know, Mario versus Rabbids, or Mario and Rabbids, I should say. And that, that was phenomenal. And because it was turn-based, I could just pick it up, put it down, literally, because it's Nintendo Switch. <laughs> it just made sense. Like, it just works. Yeah. Okay. So, I think Microsoft did pretty well. Um, Sony did well, but their conference was weird. Yeah, you were saying. So, they introed The Last of Us Part 2 so well. You know, they had um, this live music start, but not Mm. vocal, which was good. Mm. Because we'll talk about that in a sec. (laughs) It was just this music, this ambient music, that it was like the the camera was just on this one guy, just like rocking away. Well, not rocking away, he was strumming away. And then you realize pretty quickly that that music was from, if not inspired by the game. And then you also realize that the room you were in was also inspired by the game as soon as it cut to the trailer. And so, like, you know, the they'd set everybody up in this sort of, like, hut-style thing, this massive, massive hut with these, like, hanging lights. And then you got cuts to the game trailer, and it's that room. That's and very And that cool. sort of music. And I was like, the atmosphere and the build-up and everything they've just done for The Last of Us Part Two and to get into that scene, amazing. Then after the trailer... It just cuts to like these three dickheads going, oh, what a great trailer. And like, just, it was like, it was a panel. Uh, it cuts to a panel. And they're just like having a chat while they set up the next room. Because they had to move the entire audience to another room. Far out. To like reset the ambience and do it again for a different game. Yeah. And um, it was just so jarring because like they, don't, they, I think they did a really good job getting you in the mood for that game. And then they're like, okay, goodbye. Mm. We're just going to have a chat about some bullshit for a while. Like, if, if it was... If it was the creators of the game, 
and they were out there and they were talking more about the game and like it was showing some extra trailer stuff and that sort of stuff while it was building to the next thing. Cool. Yeah, like a little bit of a debrief. Yeah, yeah. But this debrief was just, you know, three people that I'm sure they were famous and I'm sure they know all about games, but they're just like having a chat about what they just saw from the outside looking in. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, that's what we do as streamers. That's what big companies do as streaming companies. They do a debrief at the end of the thing. You don't have these weird, like, clearly Sony-leaning positive, because they're paid by Sony, like, debrief things in the middle. It's just weird. Yeah, it's, it feels really, very, like, very strange. strange and disingenuous. You know, and then it cuts to the next thing, and it's a guy playing music for the next game. And it, and it was cool, again. But it was like, imagine if it just flowed to that. Yeah. That oh, would have been I mean, amazing. Glorious. Yeah. So... That was interesting. Some of the games announced were amazing. So I think Sony did really well, just not the format. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No real surprises there, though. But <laughs> it's Sony. Like, they, they, they kind of they have the lead at the moment. So they didn't have to try us out. Like, you could see that Microsoft was really, really trying. Yeah. Um, which was really, really necessary. <laughs> you know, they got three Gears of War games coming. Oh, um, hey. Yay. Pop finals. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. So, what did you make of um, Bethesda's intro to their conference? Oh, look. <laughs> it was a... On paper, it seems like a pretty cool idea. Like, what gets you more pumped up than, a, like, a heavy sort of rock song? You're like, yeah, let's bop along to this song and, like, get it all pumped up. But when you're not expecting it, it just sort of gets thrown in your face and there's no prep. There's no sort of... There's no lead up. It's just, hey, all right, we're going to start this thing now. Enjoy. You're like, what the hell is happening? It was really jarring, wasn't it? Yeah, it just didn't suit the mood. There was no mood created. Well, yeah, it didn't suit the mood because it was creating the mood, but the mood was you're at a game conference. Yeah, exactly right. So here, listen to this rock band for a bit. Yeah, I was saying saying to you, like, my theory of how that could have been better would be if they did a brief intro, like, of them talking, and then started the trailer, and then, you know, there was a bit bit of, like, vocals, and then it got to a point where... The, it got to some more action of the game, which mm. the, the trailer actually kind of did go that way. Um, and then during that, the music would build and build and build. Then you realize that it's live music and then the, the trailer starts to cut away and then it's them playing for a bit. Then I would be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, yeah. how, how, how different would the response have been? Like, the exact same music just positioned in the middle of the trailer and people would be like, wow, what's this? Oh my God, they're actually yeah. playing it. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, and then they finish and then it cuts and does some, some more of the trailer. Like that would, I, I just felt like that would have been more appropriate. I honestly thought that's what they were going to do. So did I, because they started and I thought it was going to cut to something and it didn't. I thought they were going to play over the trailer. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> oh, like live awesome. music for the trailer. No, no. Yeah. And then they kept cutting to the audience and the audience were like, yeah. I'm very into it. Yeah. <laughs> no one was, like, there was some dude that had headphones on. Guy, yeah. It's like, <laughs> A lot of people just checking their phones. Um, some people were like clapping because they felt like they had to. And it was just like really, really awkward. Weird and disjointed. Yeah. But, you know, the game looks phenomenal. Mm. Like it just looked, it looks like um, Fallout on steroids. Yeah. Um, but like very different, like vehicles and like explosions and color. Um, like this punk, 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 punk stuff. Like it was, it was cool. Kind of like a Fallout cross with Borderlands almost. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Very right. much like that. Um, so definitely one to watch. Yep. But yeah, just a weird intro to Bethesda. I only brought it out because it's a weird intro to Bethesda. <laughs> you know, then there was Fallout 76. We want to talk about that because yeah. we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> you know, there was uh, the expansion to Elder Scrolls, which, yep. Cool. Yep, Somerset, right? Looked cool. Yep. Um, they announced the mobile game. Yeah. 
Sorry, I was thinking of uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, the card game. No, no. The, but um, no, this is actually the Elder Scrolls Blades. Yes. That's the one which you can play with. Oh, that was... Remember the reveal? Like the in-demo reveal that we both sort of went, oh, at... Of the loot box thing. The big old gems that fell out of yeah, the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Chris and I were watching, like, this looks fantastic. Like, the graphics look really good. Yeah. It looks like it's easy to play with one hand. And, like, they didn't mention if it cost any money, but we sort of assumed it was free. Yeah. But then the, our fears were confirmed when an enemy was killed. <laughs> and these two giant, <laughs> colourful, like, freaking gems fell out of it. And, like, okay, that's, like, ooh, I'm worth lots. We are like, oh, so that's how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, yeah. You just knew. You just yeah. saw the big, sh- bright, shiny colors, and you're like, oh, "I'm free to play." All right, you're <laughs> going to try and suck money from everyone, aren't you? Like, yep, you've you've done the thing. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that was. Uh, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. Yeah, still going to play it though. So I'll still give it a shot. But still give it a shot. Just, just be weary. Do I'll not befall the traps know. of monetization. <laughs> <laughs> Ubisoft was really interesting as well. I think they. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Ubisoft. Like, they actually had a lot of really amazing games, but their presentation skill is just terrible. Like, their lead-in from one um, group to the next was crap. There were so many of them that just did not have uh, public speaking skills at all. And, like, it really just took away from the whole event. Mm. Like, it didn't, it didn't didn't have to, but it did. Just, like... It's okay to employ someone that can talk. Like, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Like, some of them, like, you could feel the passion because they actually worked on the game. And that, those presentations were great. That's glorious, um, yeah. But there was some where you could feel that they were so uncomfortable being there that it made them represent their game not well. Yeah. Which was was kind of hard to watch because I was like, this game looks really interesting, but, like, you're kind of botching it. Like, one of the ones uh, is uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Yeah, okay. Um, which looks great. Looks really interesting. Mm. The two people that presented it did not do well. Um, oh. Like they just didn't bounce off each other very well. It was so scripted because it had to be because they obviously would have been nervous. Yeah, and uh, it kind of ruined it a little bit. Like it, like yeah, it was difficult. Like, I know they should have been the ones talking about it. They deserved to be the ones talking about it, but, but they just weren't ready. It didn't represent the game well because they didn't show exactly what they should. Which yeah, is a bit of a shame. Oh, and Ubisoft was famous for just leaving the mics on for just a bit too long between every single presentation. Um, so th- that's, that, those two who did a pretty average job, uh, when they walked off, their mics were still on. They're like, oh, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. And I was like, you guys did not nail it. <laughs> Someone is lying to you, aren't you, please? Yeah, yeah. It was just oh, uh, it was really awkward. Like, there's a lot of moments like that. All right, guys. So I think this is a good a place as any to leave it. We could talk about much more about E3. We kind of just want to cover off some of the highlights, some of the things that like struck out to us. Yeah. So if there was anything that came out to you and you were like, wow, I really want to talk about this. Hot damn. Send us an email. So contact at thegamestormers.com is where you can reach us for any feedback about the podcast whether it's good or bad hopefully good um, or just anything you want to tell us about like just clue us in for for, for our next episode that'd be awesome uh, but the main place where you can really reach us is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the game stormers that's where our community lives that's where all the conversations are daily mm-hmm. um, and that's where you can reach uh, all of our other platforms so we really recommend that you, you jump in there that's where you're going to get the most game stormers for your buck 
Speaking of bucks, uh, you can also follow us on... You like that little segue? This is a segue. Segway, segway. You can also um, support us on Patreon if you want. You'll get access to a bonus podcast that we do every month as well. Um, so we do this podcast, which is, of course, free, no advertising, apart from this crappy spill at the end. Uh, and you also get access to uh, a Patreon only, which is a completely separate podcast. Uh, much more laid back, much more chilled out. Yeah. Um, we just talk crap, but it's generally about games and um, also stuff that we're planning to do for the website side or yeah. or just things in general so yeah that's that's a little benefit that we give and there's other stuff you can get you can go in there and have a look go you can go you just go, go and have a look yourself. so that's patreon.com forward slash the game stormers okay enough uh shameless uh self-promotion it is time for us to finish uh so thank you very much for joining us on the game stormers podcast and we will see you next time speak to you later guys Bye-bye. bye 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 <laughs> This podcast was all about the single player games and how they are disappearing, but hopefully that they're not. We heard about some games that had infinite and unlimited. We also heard about some games that were kind of standing, but they were actually stranding and they seemed very interesting. (laughs) Subscribe. (laughs) Subscribe.